I'm pulling the driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, today I'm going to tell some stories, but from way, way back when. In fact, I'm going to tell three stories today that all happened before I became a full-time employee at Wizards of the Coast. In fact, back in the day, back when I used to freelance, Wizards flew me to three different events, and I'm going to talk about those three events today in, in chronological order. Um, so the very first event I was ever flown to by Wizards of the Coast was the Ice Age pre-release. So let me explain for those that might not understand. Um, when I say the Ice Age pre-release, I do not mean a pre-release for Ice Age. I mean the one and only pre-release for Ice Age, which, by the way, was also the very first pre-release. So up to before this point, we hadn't had pre-releases. And so Wizards had this cool idea of, what if we had this tournament where players could play with the cards for the first time? Cards they'd never seen before! Um, and the idea was to do this big tournament, and they chose to do it in Toronto, Canada. In fact, it was, at a, it was held at a comic convention. But they had, like, one whole, the second floor, the whole, like, major part of the floor was, was uh, put, set up. So now... Probably looking back, it was probably only hundreds of people. And I know when you know recently we had like a Grand Prix Vegas where there were eight thousand people. So hundreds of people might not sound like a lot, but at the time it was the biggest thing I'd ever seen. I never seen a tournament like this. It was it was in my mind huge because I was used to playing you know in a store where like maybe there was thirty people or you know even when we had like regionals and stuff there would be like. 70, 80 people maybe, you know. We, I didn't have hundreds of people. So, anyway, what happened was, I at the time was um, writing for The Duelist. For those that know my story, uh, I started doing the puzzle com. That's how I got connected with Wizards in the first place. And then I flew myself to Gen Con, met Catherine Haynes, the editor, and she, I convinced her that I should be able to write articles. And I was a good writer. I knew magic. I turned things in on deadline. It's all you need to do, really, to, to get more work. Um, and anyway, so I was, I would write articles in every duel. So I was, uh, one of the regular contributing authors. Anyway, Catherine calls me one day and says, Mark, I would like to fly you to Toronto. We're going to have the first ever pre-release for Ice Age, and I want you to play in it. You heard me correct. I was told, I was, I was being flown I was being flown by Wizards on Wizards Dime to Toronto, Canada to be to play in the pre-release. And the reason was, uh, Catherine wanted me to write an article about it, but she wanted me to do it from the perspective of a player playing in the tournament. And so I was uh, willing to make that sacrifice, and so I did. Um, and uh, so what happened was we got there. Okay, so let me, let me set the scene. So once again, it was in this comic convention. So there were other people there, but we had, like, there was, like, a second floor um, that, like, there was an... Al- uh, uh, balcony that looked over the first floor. You could see all the comic people. But we were up on the second floor. We had our own little space, uh, which was a pretty big space. And there were just rows and rows of table. More people I'd ever seen at an event, like I said. Once again, it was hundreds, but at the time, I'd never seen hundreds of people playing Magic in one place. So we all sat down. It, it took a while to get everybody seated. and um, A lot has improved since then. This was very early tournaments where they were still sort of figuring things out, didn't have the software we have today, didn't have a lot of the expertise we have today. But anyway, it took a little while to get everybody registered and everything. But anyway, uh, we all sat down, and then armored guards came with a giant pallet that was was locked, with, like, locks on it. And they wheeled it in, and everybody was hooting and hollering, and then they pull out the keys, and they unlock all the locks, and they open it up, and it was... 
boxes, boxes of Ice Age. Ooh, it was very exciting. And then everybody was just going crazy. Like, I mean, pre-releases now are kind of second nature, but at the time, the idea of playing with magic cards you had never seen before, I mean, I guess when magic sets came out, uh, that is true. But I mean, uh, like, before anybody had ever touched them, you knew you were the first people on the earth to <coughs> open up these Ice Age boosters. Very exciting. And it was so early, it was so early that uh, the tournament was played with ante, with ante. So what happened is you would play somebody and then, um, I'm trying to remember how it happened. I think what happened was um, if you lost, if you, if, if you won, you got a, ca- a random card from the loser's deck, I think. Might have been the sideboard. But all I know is as you played, your deck would change because you would get new cards. And sometimes I, th- I think you would lose cards. Um, but anyway, your, your deck would change over time. So, okay, I remember when I opened my cards. So the two cards that st- uh, I noticed, one was Zern Orb. Uh, for those, uh, a card that got banned. So, uh, Zern Orb is an artifact that costs zero that you sack a land to gain three life, I, I believe. Um, and I remember the time I saw it that I was, I had played with a card called Dark Heart of the Woods, which was a multicolored card, green and black card from the dark, that allowed you to sacrifice a, a land for, I think, two life. So, like, this card was, like, better on so many, like, you got more life and it cost less to cast and it was an artifact and, didn't require any color, and, you know, it was, like, it was just better on every axis. And the car, the other card, like, I had built decks around. I mean, not that it was an amazing card, but I, I respected kind of what it could do. So I remember I was talking to Chris Page. So uh, uh, Ice Age was designed by the East Coast Playtester. So Scaff Elias, Jim Lynn, Dave Petty, and Chris Page. Uh, the first three of them, Scaff, Jim, and Dave, were in R&D, were working at Wizards. Chris was not, but Chris had flown to the event. It was, you know, th- their set. Um, and I remember when I opened up Zern Orb, I saw Chris, I go, Chris, what are you, what are you doing? And Chris goes, oh, it's not that bad. And uh, I was proved correct, that card was, uh, my, my ability to judge power level is, is questionable at times, but uh, I, I did recognize Zern Orb for being the busted thing that it was. Okay, the other card I opened up was called Vexing Arcanix, which is a card where you spend some mana, your opponent then needs to name a card, and then if the card they named is on top of their deck, well, target player names a card, you could use it on yourself. Um, and then if the person doesn't name it correctly, they, uh, the card gets milled and it does two damage. Uh, milled meaning it goes to the graveyard. So this card in limited was pretty powerful because every turn it could do, I think, two damage, and it also was milling them. Sometimes you would mill them out. Sometimes you would do damage. And it was a pre-release where no one knew the names of the cards. So it was also funny, too, when, like, you would use them, and you're like, ah, it's that green creature with power equal to the number of creatures in your graveyard, and toughness is that plus one, and it's got a name I can't pronounce, you know. <laughs> um, so it was fun. It was just fun, like, playing this pre-release. So the two of those cards together, because Zern Orb just meant it took forever for me to lose. Forever for me to lose. I just could gain so much life. Um, and Vexing Arcanix was just a great kill card that if I could get it out, and because it was an artifact, not a lot of people were running artifact destruction standard. People were in creature destruction. Um, but usually I would get out there and people didn't often have an answer to it. And so, anyway, uh, in general I had a good deck, by the way. Those are, my, those are my two MVPs. Um, but anyway, I went undefeated on day one. So the way it worked was there were hundreds of people. It cut to 32 for day two. And I, undefeated, I got to advance to day two. And then I get pulled aside by Scaff Elias. And Scaff goes, Mark, um, look, I, I, I know you did well. And I know Catherine, you know, wanted you to play so you could write about that. But, look, we just can't have someone we flew to the event win the event. 
So I'm going to have to, you're going to have to drop out. So I'm like, okay, hey, fair, fair, fair enough. I was flown there. So I dropped out. So I, I made day two. Uh, so one, um, and then I think number 33 just got like the next person in line got advanced. So I didn't, I, it wasn't like only 31 advanced because I dropped out a 32nd person got taken. So anyway, and then the winner of that event ended up being Dave Humphreys. So you might know Dave Humphreys as the, the current design man, not design manager, development manager. Um, he's also a Pro Tour Hall of Famer. Uh, won a Pro Tour as t- a part of Team Your Move Games. Um, anyway, Dave, that was Dave's first kind of big win. In fact, by the way, when uh, Scaff and I were setting up the first Pro Tour and we were making the invite list, we were trying to make sure that a lot of good players were playing in it. So we anything in which somebody won it and we thought the person who won it was good, we just made that a criteria for getting in. So I made uh, the Ice Age pre-release tournament... Uh, uh, an invitation to the first Pro Tour, just because I, I wanted Dave to be invited, so I thought Dave was a good player. Um, but anyway, um, that, my friends, was the Ice Age. So, one of the things, by the way, that was awesome, really cool, I remember is um, that I, I got some sealed Ice Age packs, and when I returned, uh, Henry Stern, a good friend of mine, which will come up in a second, um, I remember playing with Henry, and he and I, I, I brought back a few sealed packs, and he and I, like Henry played uh, Ice Age for the first time playing sealed with me, um, and that was, that was actually pretty cool. We'll get to Henry. Henry's actually important in my next story. Okay, story number two. U.S. Nationals 1995. So there actually was a U.S. Nationals in 1994 in San Jose. I actually uh, attended it with my dad. Um, a, a man named Bo Bell won using a black discard deck, if I remember correctly. Um, and 1994 also had a world championship. Zach Dolan won the very first world championship held at Gen Con. So we'll get to the worlds in a second. So... Um, Nationals 94 was a little more low-key. They decided to sort of uh, spruce it up a little bit. Um, for the first time ever, they were going to film it. Um, that, now, there was no streaming or anything. The internet wasn't at that point yet. Uh, I mean, we were talking Usenets and stuff at the time. But we did. We were going to tape it so we could show it to people later. So we were videoing it. Um, and so I was brought in, A, to help with the judging, because um, what happened was when I started writing for the Duelist, I got advanced knowledge of card sets. Because I had advanced knowledge of card sets, I wasn't allowed to play in any sort of sanctioned tournament, and so I started judging. So I got very involved in judging. One of these days, I will do a podcast about judging, because I actually had a... In the early days, I did a lot of judging stuff. Most people don't know this, but uh, I was very, very involved in judging early on. Um, And uh, so they had me go to the event to judge. Also, they were doing video, and so I was going to try to help them out. My background, for those that don't know, but most of you probably do, but uh, in college, I studied communications, and so I actually like, did video production things, so uh, I, I offered to help out there. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Okay, so first, 95 Nationals was held in Philadelphia at, I think it was Origins, I think, I'm not 100% on that. It was for sure in Philadelphia, I think it was Origins, during a heat wave. I mean, a heat wave. So I was, it, luckily, the hotel I was staying in was... Uh, connected to the um, the convention center, I believe. So I didn't have to go outside to like get to the convention center. But one night, it was like late at night, it was dark out, and I was hungry, and so I ventured out to like some, you know, convenience store, and we're, we're talking like 10, 11 at night, and I had to go like a block, and I was just dripping with sweat by the time I got to the convenience store, because it was that hot out at night. Um, but anyway, big, huge heat wave. So, um, most, there are all sorts of things going on there. Wizards had a booth and things. But I was focused on Nationals. So, Nationals starts. So, Steve Bishop, uh, the, you, I've talked about Steve. He ran the, the um, 
of what we called events early on. Now, now it's organized play. But he was in charge of that department. Um, and so he was running um, U.S. Nationals. So there was a player meeting to talk about, I don't know, issues. Um, one of the things that Wizards really wanted was to have limited play be part of it. Not just constructed, but limited. The players at the time were not really happy with limited play. Um, the draft wasn't really a thing yet, so it was sealed. And, and, the, and the, most of the players were like, look, we think that there's too much variance to this. So anyway, there's a player meeting where they argued about whether or not, how, how to handle the limited part portion. And the meeting went on for three hours. Three hours! Uh, that, that's not true anymore. Uh, player meetings are gone that long. So, I mean, I don't know if, I, I guess Steve was trying to be accommodating. I'm not sure what happened. I don't know why any meeting goes on for three hours where you're arguing with the players. Um, but anyway, in the end, they reached some compromise, and they got a bunch of cards for their limited, more so than normal. Um, anyway, so uh, 95 Ice Age had recently come out. So This is after the Ice Age pre-release, that's chronological. Um, and so Henry Stern, it's a, real quickly, my, uh, I used for part-time work in a, in a game store called The Gamekeeper. When Magic first came out, I convinced them to carry Magic. And one of the things I would do in the store is I had an open, open pack to demo. I would demo Magic all the time. And if anybody wanted to trade with me, my rule was I would trade. You had a, a match rarities, and I had a list from like Shadis Magazine or something that listed the rarities. Um, you had to match rarities, and you had to give me a card that the deck didn't have. So you, you could trade one for one, you have to match rarities, and you had a, you couldn't duplicate a card already in the deck. And so a bunch of people came and took me up on this trading offer, Henry being one of them. Uh, and we started talking one day, and I realized that like, he lived around the block from me. So Henry and I got together, we played some Magic. He and I acted together, ended up going down to Costa Mesa a lot, um, where that was a big place to play back then in L.A. Um... And uh, we became good friends. So I remember when we first, I first found out information about Nationals, what they had done was, so 94 Nationals and 94 Worlds, anybody could play in them. For example, I played in them. I played in 94 Nationals, I played in 94 Worlds. The only Nationals and the only Worlds I ever played in. Um, they were open invitation. You literally just had to show up for Nationals. Worlds, the way it worked was there were different heats, but anybody could play in any heat. In fact, you could play in multiple heats. It was single elimination. Um... So anyway, um, this was the first time that was you had to be invited. You couldn't just go to nationals. You had to earn an invite. And I believe the first time they did regionals. So back in the day, it worked a little differently than it does now. There used to be regionals, then there were nationals, and then there were was the, the nationals would go to worlds. Um, so what happened was I helped run the Southwest regionals because I was a judge, um, and I was one of the... I was one of the more knowledgeable people on, on magic and rules and things like that. Um, and so I was one of the, one of the key judges. Um, so what happened was we had a, a man show up for regionals from Utah by the name of Mark Justice. Uh, and Mark ended up coming second. He lost a guy named Felix Unger, I believe was his name. Um, so Mark ended up getting an invite to nationals. Henry ended up not doing well enough in regionals to get invited, but he was in the top 25 overall rating because the rating system had started. And so he was in the top 25. So I got to call Henry and say to Henry, hey, Henry, guess what? You're invited to Nationals. So Henry hopped on a plane. Justice hopped on a plane. And we went off to Nationals. So what happened was Henry was playing a deck called Vice Age, which was a red-green deck that revolved around... I know uh, Black Vice was a big part of it. Um, I don't remember the, the deck exactly. Um... But it had the ability to make a lot of mana and do all sorts of things. Um, 
uh, Justice was playing... Is that his Elkin Bottle deck? I'm not sure whether the Elkin Bottle deck was his 95 National deck or his first Pro Tour deck in New York. Anyway, um, so the way it worked was the tournament was a double elimination tournament. So here's what that means. Uh, I'm sorry, top eight was double elimination. It was a Swiss tournament. Um, top eight was double elimination. And the way that worked was um, when you played in the finals, if you lost, you went to a loser's bracket. So one person would win the winner's bracket, and one person would win the loser's bracket. So if you went to the loser's bracket, as long as you kept winning, you, you stayed in it. And then the winner of the winner's bracket would play the winner of the loser's bracket. But, and here's the catch, the loser's bracket had to win two matches in order to win, where the winner's bracket just needed to win one match. So what happened was, Henry won the winner's bracket. Mark Justice won the loser's bracket. So the finals was Henry versus Mark, but Justice had to win two matches in order to become national champion. So they play. First match, it's really close, but Justice pulls it out. They're now, they're even. Now now it's down to one match. Whoever wins this match will win. During, I think it was the, I think it was the second game of the final match, Justice in his deck had um, Channel and Fireball, a very early magic combo, and he misplayed it. Um, back in the day, you had to have mana in your pool before you cast your spell. And Mark had sort of messed it up. He, did, he, he didn't have the mana, mana when he announced the, the, cha- the fireball. He had messed up the ordering of it. And, but the judges at the time um, were mostly wizards, wizards people who not super up on the rules. I mean, we would get much, much better at that. But the people at the time, like Steve Bishop didn't really know magic rules as well as, as he could have. Uh, I'll be polite there. <laughs> um, and so what happened was they let Mark take back his move, which I know upset Henry, only because this is the U.S. Nationals on the line. You do it right, you messed up. Uh, but they let Justice do it over again. Justice ended up winning that game, and then Justice went on to win the match, and Justice became U.S. National Champion 1995. Uh, Henry came in second. Um, third was a guy named Mike Long, and fourth was a man named Pete Lyre. Both Mike Long and Pete Lyre were, I believe, from Virginia. Um, like I said, uh, Henry was from L.A. and uh, Los Angeles, and um, Justice was from Salt Lake City uh, in Utah. Uh, and they became the very first U.S. national team. Oh, well, to be fair. Previously, um, there was a U.S. nationals in 94, but there wasn't a team made. This is the first year where... So, like, in the previous year, three countries had held nationals. Um, the U.S. had nationals... France and Nationals, and Belgium and Nationals. I think France and Belgium might have brought the teams over, but the U.S. didn't fly the teams there. Um, I don't even know if Bobel played in 94 Worlds. He might have, but Wizards did not get him there. Um, this year, if you won and you were on the national team, you were flown to the event, which we'll get to in a second. You were flown to 95 Worlds. You know, Part of winning was you got the trip and, and the hotel. You got, you got it taken to Worlds. Um, so anyway, th- that was the U.S. team. Um, that, that was the first time anyone had ever met Mike Long. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's where Justice really got n- known for the first time, uh, where Henry got known, you know. It really was the place where... I mean, the, Magic didn't have a lot of high-profile tournaments early on. And so, 95 Nationals, 95 Worlds were some, some of the first, like, big big stage stuff where people got to know some... some who would go on to be some very famous pros. Um, but this is pre, pre-Pro Tour. Okay, so that transitions us into 95 Worlds. Okay, so the previous year Worlds had been at, um, in Milwaukee at Gen Con. Gen Con was in Milwaukee at the, at the time. And um, Peter Atkinson, the CEO, one of the founders of the company, said, you know what, 
I want something bigger. I don't want to just be another tournament at Gen Con. I want us to be our own thing. We're gonna, it's going to be the Magic World Championships. And we're, so they're holding in Seattle just because it's easier to get ready to Seattle. Um, it's easier to bring all the players in than t- move all the staff somewhere else. Um, so it was held in a Red Lion Inn, which is right near the airport, near the SeaTac Airport. Um, and so what happened was, in order to get into Worlds, you had to be invited. There was two ways to get an invite. Number one was you had to be on a national team. And I, there were 20 to 30 teams. High 20s, low 30s is my memory. Um, and uh, the one other way to get in was if you were the previous year's world champion. Zach Dolan got invited. So there were, that's it. You were on national team or you were Zach Dolan. You were previous world champion. You did not get invited. No invites on rating. You had to be part of a national team or a, a former world champion, you know, the, the reigning world champion. Um, so, so what happened was in between nationals and world, Steve Bishop had left. Steve Bishop had gone off to do other things. And a new man, a man named Jason Carl, who had been on the, the uh, events team, the organized play team, but when Steve left, sort of got moved up and became the guy in charge. And Jason's an awesome guy. He, re- he really, really is. He, he, he was studious, and I loved working with Jason. He hadn't really run a large magic tournament before. In fact, I don't know how many magic tournaments he'd run. A few, probably. But not, nothing to the scope of worlds. And... Uh, Steve had left, which put Jason in charge of it with not a lot of time. Like, it was, by the time Jason realized he was in charge of Worlds, there wasn't much time. And so Jason was just in over his head. And, I mean, he was doing his best. Uh, and the, the event came across pretty well. So, I mean, Jason did a good job being that he was thrown in the middle of a crazy project with, with nowhere near the skill level of, th- of knowledge of having done it before. So, anyway, when I got there, I was, I was not, all I know is Jason was running the tournament. Um, and because Jason had not run a tournament before, or, or a bigger Magic tournament, he had made some decisions that were a little off. And so I and some of the other judges were trying to convince him. So the one I remember, the big one was, um, at the time, uh, a win was worth, I think, two points, and a loss was worth zero, uh, and a tie was worth one. L- later, wins would go on to be worth three, I believe. But anyway, at the time, I think it was two, one, zero. So... Um, Jason wanted to award buys as if it were a draw. Instead of getting two points, you would get one point. Because in his mind, well, you didn't really win. But we're like, no, you can't punish the... No one... The buys, it gets... I mean, it's random in the first round, and in later rounds, obviously, the lowest seeded, the lowest ranked player plays it. But I'm like, in the first round, you're just randomly hosing somebody if you don't give them the win. It's not their fault they got the buy. It's truly random. And so we had to convince him that it should be two points and not one point. That you, you had to award a win for a buy. You couldn't award a tie, a draw. Um, we man- I think we managed to convince him of that. The other thing that I was trying really hard to do, and I wrote about this, um, is I really, really wanted recognition of the team. So I'm like, oh, we have all these teams here. You know, not just an individual winner. We should have a team winner. Um, and, but the point is they hadn't set that up. There was no trophy for it. There was no time allocated for a finals. And they're like, look, we just can't do it. And so I finally said... Okay, Jason, well, can I keep track of it? Because I, I was doing the article for The Duelist. Uh, I was the, so in the early days, for those who are unaware, I was, one of my specialties was I did all the organized play stuff. I did all the event coverage because there wasn't a lot of event coverage to do. So like the reason I had been flown out to do, do nationals and to worlds partly was because I was helping out as a judge, but really probably the bigger reason I was flown out was I was writing the articles on both things. Um, and it's like I might as well be there to help out. No reason not to help out. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so I said to him, I go, look, can I just keep track of it? I'll just, 
I just if you, people would be cool to know. I mean, look, the teams are going to play in the Swiss rounds. You know, there won't be a playoffs, but someone's going to have the best record. You know, and we just we'll say, hey, best record won. And he goes, I, I don't care, whatever. So basically, out of frustration, he's like, you want to keep track of it, keep track of it. I don't care. So I got this big whiteboard and I put all the names of all the uh, countries on it. And then every time at the end of the round, I'd check who won what and then I'd update the score. Um, and so the idea is every time you'd win, your team would get the points for the win. And then your country got every win that your, any member of your team would, you know, would apply to your country. So the idea essentially was the team that had the most wins overall, counting all the players on their team, um, would win the event. So it turned out the U.S. was the winning team. The average, the average of the U.S. team was the cutoff for top eight. Because two of the U.S. team, uh, both Henry and Mark Justice, um, made top eight. And then um, Mike Long was one out of top eight, and Pete Lauer was two away from top eight. So they, they did really well. The U.S. team did, did quite well. Um, and then the funny thing is I wrote it up from the duelist, and so it is now considered to be the first team event. I recorded it. You know, there was, there, there, clearly, they had won it. Um, there was no playoffs. That wouldn't happen until 1996, um, uh, when America would take the Czech Republic in the, and play in the finals. But that was in 96, 95. There was no actual playoff. There's no trophies. I don't even think at the event they announced that the U.S. team won, but I announced it in the Duelist. And being that very, you know, a handful of people were at the event. A lot of people read about it in the Duelist. So me announcing it there ended in the end of being a lot louder, I guess, than there being a trophy awarded. Um, so anyway, the top eight. So Henry and Mark were uh, the two U.S. in the top eight. Um, there was Mulwen Wang from Austria. There was Ivan uh, Karina and Andrea Reddy from Italy, two, two people from Italy. There was Henry Schilt from um, Finland. There's Alexander Bloomke from Switzerland and Mark Hernandez from France. Um, so a pretty uh, a cool world. There were uh, six, I think, six countries represented. Is that right? Five countries represented. There's two, two from U.S., two from Italy, one from Finland, one from Austria, six, six. One from Switzerland, one from France. Um, so what happened was... Um, uh, both, both Justice and um, Stern won their quarterfinal matches, as did Alexander Blumkey and Mark Hernandez. Uh, I believe Alexander Blumkey played Mark Justice and Mark Hernandez played Henry. So I remember in the, in the semifinals... Oh, so what happened was the role I ended up playing at both Nationals and Worlds was I ended up being what's called the spotter. So what happened was when I was talking to them about, about planning, they had commentators who were going to commentate, but I said to them, hey, you guys need to have information because you're not going to necessarily know the score. You know, if you have information about hands or something, if you have a guy on the floor that you're mic to, you can talk to me and I can answer questions. And so I, if you've ever seen the video of either 95 Nationals or Worlds, there's a little, little man on stage. That little man is me. Uh, and I have a little headset on. I'm running between things and I'm talking to the commentators. And I, I was what's called spotting. Um, later, when I would be the producer on the Pro Tour, I would get other people to spotters. Uh, Scott Larrabee, Scott Johnson, famous people that would be my spotters when I was, I was the producer. Anyway, um, I remember watching Henry play Hernandez. Let um, me be aware, I, I had a stone face. I, I, you know, I, I couldn't be rooting for anybody. But secretly, down deep, Henry was my friend. I wanted Henry to win. Um, and I remember watching this one game where it was in game three, and Henry had the perfect hand, but he needed a force that he could just go off. If he could draw a force, boom, he was just going to be, he was going to win. Um, and he had like four or five turns to draw the force. You know, he had a couple turns to, for it to happen. A, a bunch of turns for it to happen. And just watching him draw, like, not a forest. Not a forest. Not a forest. Um, and Henry always said, he and I talked afterwards, that had he drawn a forest in the first five or f- 
four or five things. He, he believed he would have won the game and won the match, and that his deck was a really good matchup against Bloomkeed's deck, he felt. So Henry felt like if he had drawn a force there, he would have been the world champ. That was Henry's take on it. Um, anyway, he lost to Hernandez. Mark Justice lost to Alexander Bloomkey. So Justice came in third because um, I think Justice was the top seed. Right? Justice was the top seed going into the top eight, and then Henry was fourth. Um, which, by the way, uh, in the, the following year, both of them would make top four again. Uh, Justice would make number two in 1996, and Henry would be, uh, I forget his seating, but third or fourth. Um, so, anyway, the finals ended up being Mark Hernandez of France versus Alexander Blumke of Switzerland. And one of the big things was they asked permission if they could speak to each other in French, because both of them were from French-speaking countries, and, and they were native French speakers. Um, and we said, yes, this is the world championship. Our finals could be held in all sorts of languages. I mean, the commentary was in English. But um, the players themselves would talk to each other in, in, in French. Um, whenever they'd have to ask the judge something, they would ask in English. So whenever there was any sort of need for communication, it was done in English. But when they were bantering between themselves, I don't even know what they said. I was there, but they were talking French, so I don't speak French. Um, but anyway, uh, there was a, a good game. But in the end, Alexander Blumke of Switzerland was the victorious and became the 95 world champ. Um, the previous year world champion had been Zach Dolan, so the, for the first time it was a world champ that wasn't American, it was European. Uh, it was very exciting. Um, uh, Hernandez coming in second. There, there was a running joke at that point where the first, uh, the first Worlds, uh, France came in second. The second Worlds, France came in second. Then the first Pro Tour, France came in second. That there was a joke for a while that France was really good at coming in second. Um, eventually they would win one in San Diego. Uh, it would take a while, though. It, it would take many, many years of the Pro Tour before... I mean, France would come in second a bunch of times, but they, it took them a while before they finally won. But they did, and, and now they've won a whole bunch of times. Like I said, France has been one of the, one of the top magic countries for a long, long time, since the very beginning. Um, but anyway, um, so... For, for those, by the way, that don't... Just the, one of the things I want you to understand for all these events, uh, especially Worlds, Worlds, like, we were our own event. We weren't at somebody else's event. Like, Nationals was at Origins. The previous Worlds had been at Gen Con. The, the, the cool thing about Worlds was it was us and only us. I remember we had, like, a player dinner where everybody got to mingle together, and I, I remember that um, some of the players had brought special shirts, and, like, uh, I remember there was one shirt given away to everybody, which was a shirt that had the, the Art of Justice on the back, which we made jokes because the U.S. team had justice on it. Uh, and then there's this Black Lotus shirt that only the players got, that I know Henry had, that I never got because um, I wasn't a player. Um, but it was really, it was this neat bonding experience, these players from around the world. I mean, now the Pro Tour is a regular thing that just, it's almost taken for granted. Like, hey, all, you know all these people from all around the world. But at the time, just meeting all these players that also played Magic was a really just exciting experience. Um, and, like I said, Worlds was raw. There's a lot of things that went on that was clear that we were finding our feet. Wizards was trying to figure out how to do things. And that, you know, I look back now and compare it to modern day, you know, it's night and day as far as stuff. But, but in its day and its time, you, know, you have to sort of, like, you got to look at the Model T as the Model T and say, you know what, fine, compared to modern sports cars, it's nothing special. But in the day, it was a car, and there were no cars, so it was pretty impressive, you know. And uh, I felt the same way. Worlds were just this amazing thing. Um, like, one of the things today, I, I just want to share some stories, is there was a point in time where I was the, the wide-eyed new kid who just, everything was, was new and exciting, you know. I, I get that. I get when, like, one of the things I'll say to people is, if there's ever a Grand Prix 
remotely close to you. Even if you have to drive four hours, go to it. Go to it. Because when you walk in for the first time and there's just a tournament larger than any tournament you've ever seen, there's more people you've ever seen in one room playing Magic, there is such, it's such an exciting experience. I mean, I, I, I didn't have a chance, obviously, to go to, like, Vegas, but, like, just knowing there are 8,000 people, you know, I, I would talk to people who were at the event and they're like, there are people I know were at the event. I never saw them. Never saw them. I was at the same event as them. Never saw them. Just too big. Did not see them, you know. And that, I think back to, to, to the pre, you know, Ice Age pre-release and to the 95 Nationals and 95 Worlds. And this is early things that I, I've been blessed that I luckily got, I got flown there. All three of these events, like, on Wizard's Dime, they, they flew me to the event. I mean, I was covering them, I guess. I mean, not that I didn't work. But I, uh, it still was an amazing thing. You know, and I was, once again, I went to Toronto, I went to Philadelphia, I went up to Seattle, I was, I was living in Los Angeles at the time, I was flown all, all over, you know, the North America, getting to go to these awesome magic events, seeing things for the first time, you know, seeing these experiences for the first time, getting just a sense of, of all these people, first from across the nation, then from across the world, um, getting to meet and know people that I would know 20 years later, but anyway, it, it, it is... It, it is exciting. It was fun. And, and all these events, like, one of the reasons today I wanted to share these stories was they were, it was a neat time. I mean, in some ways, a lot of my stories go back. I mean, one of the reasons I'm one of the historians is my stories involve the early stuff. You know, like, my first tournament was the, the first tournament that did this. You know, um, in my old man speech. Get off my lawn! <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I look back, and it's, it's fun. It is so exciting. I, I, there are memories I cherish. Like, I will, I will remember to, to my dying day of the armored car bringing in the Ice Age boosters and, like, players chanting. They were so exciting, they were chanting. They were, like, pounding their hands on the table, screaming. And it was just, it was an amazing thing. Um, or just, like, I, I, just thinking back to, to 95 Nationals, you know, of just, like, the the dramatic, like, finish where Justice manages to win or or just Bloomkey's face when he won Worlds and became the world champion. Just all those things, you know. And I was lucky, like, I was literally, like, two feet from him when it happened, you know. I, I had this interesting vanish in history in that not only was I there, but I was, like, really there. You know, I was literally as there as you could be, so. But anyway, those are my stories today. I hope you guys enjoyed a little jaunt into Magic's past. Um, but anyway, I'm in my parking space, so we all know what that means. It means it's time to end my drive to work. So instead of talking Magic, it's time for me to be making Magic. Talk to you guys next time.